Welcome back, everybody. It's another summer edition of the Athletic Hockey Show here in the middle of August. It's Ian Mendes and Haley Salvin with you, as always, to kick off your week. Ahead on this episode of the podcast, Mark Giordano of the Seattle Kraken drops by to chat about uh, joining the NHL's newest team. We'll find out what uh, he'll miss the most about Calgary and have a fun conversation with a guy who may end up wearing the C in Seattle. The NHL and its Players Association could have a sticky situation on its hands when it comes to players being vaccinated. We'll talk about the article written by Katie Strang and Mike Russo over the weekend. Plus, we'll tee up the Women's World Championships taking place in Calgary uh, this week and a little multiple choice madness where we figure out if we would rather eat something or drink something out of the Stanley Cup after Matthew Joseph of the Tampa Bay Lightning had some poutine out of the Stanley Cup. But Haley, to kick off this show, I feel like the need, you know, people are always like, oh, I wonder if they're doing this. Is this a live kind of dated, like, is this pre-recorded? We're going to tell people, listen, UC Soros signed today, four-year, 20 million. This is the equivalent of us holding up like today's newspaper to prove. It is indeed Monday. It It is is Monday. And UC Soros is how, first of all, how are you, are you feeling them? Do you have a case of the Mondays here today, Haley? Um, kind of. I mean, (laughs) I'm always, I'm a morning person. Like I'm always up early, but I'm never super happy about it. (laughs) So I'm like a morning person, but I'm a cranky morning person typically. Um, and it's just a little bit strange, this like, period in the hockey calendar that we're in. Like I feel busier than I probably should be for August, which probably makes me a little bit cranky. Um, I am glad that some of the the busy parts of it is for the women's world championships. Cause I'm really excited that that is um, finally almost here after over two years of these women not having an international tournament to play in. So I um, and selfishly, I'm really happy that it's in Calgary, but I don't know. I think it's a weather thing. I think it's an air Thing. I don't know if you've, you can't see behind me, Ian, but when I woke up this morning, it, it's like an orange haze coming into my window from, you know, the smoky, hazy sky wildfire. Like it's just really weird and it's really hot. So I think that just is bringing me down a little bit. But okay. Well, listen, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. we're gonna get you back. Did, we're gonna pump you up here. Did I look cranky or something? Is that why you asked time. me that? No, no, no. It's a it's a Monday. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's meant to be. Listen, you you alluded to this. I think this is a great place to kick off Women's World Championships uh, taking place in Calgary. And again, just a little refresher for people. This was the tournament that was supposed to happen in Halifax back in the spring. COVID obviously played uh, a role in, in kind of pushing that. It was canceled. And then there was, a, you know, there's a lot of backlash wondering how can we fit this in? So they settle on Calgary and like set this up for us, Haley. Like I think for a lot of people, they look at this and they see, uh, if I'm not mistaken, what Team USA has won five consecutive gold medals at this, uh, at this event. Um, I think a lot of people look at this and say, okay, it's going to be Team USA and Team Canada. I mean, we haven't seen best on best hockey in the women's game in basically two years, mm-hmm. what do we expect? Like, what should we realistically expect out of this tournament? Well, I think that, and, and yeah, you're right. The the U.S., like, it is no secret that when it matters most, Canada has struggled against Team USA. And, and even in the 2019 World Championships, Canada um, lost to Finland in the semifinals. And Finland nearly beat the U.S. in the final that year. If people remember, I mean, it was over two years ago now, but... Um, you kind of have these three powers, 
Um, obviously the U S and Canada are at the top of that list, but I think Finland's obviously really up there, um, based on how they almost finished and how they did finish the last time we saw all these teams. And I just think when the puck drops on Friday for the first game of the tournament, for the first games, there'll be a few on Friday. It'll be 859 days since the last best on best competition in women's hockey. Like it's, such a significant period of time that these women have not had this stage to be on. And of course, some of it is, a lot of it is due to COVID. Um, But you know, the 2019, it's just been a crazy year, crazy two years for women's hockey. They had on the eve of the 2019 world championships is when the Canadian women's hockey league folded. Then they had that tournament. And then Um, At the end of it, that's when the boycott started, which kind of turned into the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. And since then, they have not had an international tournament and they have not had the viable professional league that they are fighting for. So the the PWHPA players have essentially been doing showcases for the last two years. There is the National Women's Hockey League, um, which is the U.S.-based professional league. Um, but the PWHPA does not believe that that has the sustainable future that they're looking for. So there's just been a lot. It's been um, not a lot of, again, that best on best international competition for these women. And uh, some of the players that I have spoken to, um, you know, they, they're they not worried at all about the product. They're not worried about this long layoff impacting what everyone's going to see. Everyone's really excited to finally get out there, get on the ice Um, I'm personally working on some team previews for Team Canada, and we have some great freelancers and contributors who have signed on to do, um, we actually have some uh, Team USA stuff coming. We have some kind of exciting more data analysis coming. Um, So it's going to be a a big week, um, big couple weeks for women's hockey, but, uh, you know, with Team Canada specifically, this is going to be a really young roster. It's not going to be the same group we saw in 2019. Um, they have a ton of uh, really young players that have signed on. And uh, again, some of the players I've talked to, they're like, these rookies don't play like rookies. Like they're fast. They're really skilled. Um, and obviously Mary Philippe Poulin's back. Um, last time we saw her two years ago, she was injured. Um, so we haven't seen, you know, elite Mary Philippe Poulin in a while. And Um, it's obviously hard to predict what everyone's going to look like when you haven't seen them in so long. Um, because you know, I can't just go to the rink and watch them practice. So, um, it's hard to know, but I, I still believe that, you know, she's one of the most dominant players in the world and, and she'll go down as, as one of the greatest of all time in the women's game. So I'm just, you know, again, selfishly really excited that this is going to be here in Calgary and, and I hope that everyone, um, can watch and, and enjoy the content that we're going to put out at the athletic. Cause this is, um, you know, a really huge moment for the women's game and the Olympics are coming up within even just six months. So this is a really huge moment for, for really top end women's hockey here. They, they really have a, a huge platform, which they haven't had in a long time. Yeah. And like you said, Mary food plan, I mean, basically had a knee injury that took her out of the last time we, we, so like you said, we haven't seen her in years. And I had to do a double take when I read this earlier saying that, you know, Team Canada hasn't won a gold medal at this event in since 2012, right? Like, yeah. it, it's that's a long stretch for, uh, you know, Hockey Canada to go. And, and you know, it's, uh, look, there's going to be a ton of great storylines. And I I just feel like 
coming off of um, a moment where it felt like the country was really galvanized. I'm talking about Canada here. Uh, was really galvanized watching women's soccer. You really hope that the, it kind of it's a natural segue into, hey, we got this great best on best women's tournament. We just watched some great best on best women's soccer, and we saw the numbers come in. We saw the excitement. We saw, like, I mean, th that was one of those moments where you, you're, if you were in Canada, your text messages probably blew up right mm -hmm. when the, that was going into a penalty um, a shootout with Sweden and Canada and the women's soccer. And now you've got this great opportunity on, on the hockey side that, look, we, we know that people tune in and people care about mm -hmm. women's sports. And so you're right. Th this It feels like we've turned a little bit of a corner, but Haley, this is such an important event because of, like you said, last two years have been bogged down with off-ice politics, COVID, all of it. It feels like this is going to be the launch for hopefully what is an exciting three to five year period for the women's game, right? Well, I think just like put your like put yourself as a hockey fan, you know, remember in 2018 the Pyeongchang final that went into a shootout with Canada and the USA and you have um the Lamaru twins with yeah. like disgusting hands, like it incredible incredible displays of talent. Um I periodically um just tweet Melody Dao's um yeah. shootout goal from that uh, Olympics as well. You know, these women are really, really skilled. They're very, very talented. And millions of people stayed up very late <laughs> to watch that game. So there is proof, like there is facts <laughs> that show the amount of people who will watch women's hockey when it is this best on best format, because the product is there. The product has never been in question. It's it's good hockey. It it, it truly is. And, and we've seen the way that the eyeballs follow it in that format. So, um, I think having that best on best here in Calgary, and then they're going to be centralized and then the Olympics are coming. I mean, can you just imagine how much attention is going to be on the game for those two tournaments? And then capitalizing on that attention is going to be truly like the even more important piece. Like the players believe in the product. Um, they, they tell me that all the time. They know that it's there. They know that it's good. It's just about, taking that product, putting it on that global platform that they don't always get. Usually they only get it once every four years. And it's about trying to keep that attention every single year, not just every Olympics. Um, so that's going to be the important piece for them is, you know, do what they know that they can at the world championships at the Olympics, and then translate that into, you know, from the PWHPA side, what they believe is a pro league. And then Again, and then you have the NWHL as well. I mean, I think it just shows that there's enough depth of talent that you can have two women's professional leagues. Um, there's that many women's hockey players who are good who can play professionally and, and make some money playing the game. So regardless of what side you're on, um, if you believe in the PWHPA, if you believe in the NWHL, this is still just like a really huge – it's going to be a huge season for women's hockey because – not only do you have the international competition, but the NWHL will have their season seven and the PWHPA will be showcasing too. So there's going to be a lot going on in the women's game. All right. Haley, listen, you mentioned the Pyeongchang Olympics in 2018 and you know, that was, that was a fantastic theater uh, watching Canada, the U S in that shootout. Uh, but there was no NHLers at the Olympic games in Pyeongchang in 2018. The hope is that there will be NHL players Haley in 2022, but 
once again, look, the NHL put its schedule out. They're leaving a hole in there, but they're they're very being very uh, adamant that if they if they don't get to an agreement at some point, I would say by the end of August, that maybe just maybe we could be looking at uh, an NHL season that doesn't have the Olympic pause and they play right through it. And I wonder now, how much of a factor do you think the COVID-19 virus will have on NHL players wanting to go over? Um, we just saw it in the Summer Olympics. It wasn't the same experience. It wasn't the same packed houses, thousands of fans. And I would imagine we might be careening towards a similar Olympic Games um, coming up in, in Beijing. What's your, like, if, 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 you, if you were, like, kind of to put a percentage on it right now, of the prediction you would make of NHL players will be at the Olympic games. What's your, what's your number right now? Oh, geez. I mean, I'll probably be lame and just say 50, 50. I, I know <laughs> that the players we've, we've heard that players really want to be there. Like it's an important, um, it was an important piece of the collective bargaining agreement. Um, but I, I guess it, especially this year, it's a lot more difficult than just saying, yeah, we'll cut out a piece of the schedule and you can go and do this because we don't know what is going to happen with with COVID in in North America in Beijing. Like we can't predict that. Um, with the Tokyo Games that just happened here, we saw how quickly it went from everything's okay to oh nope now they're in lockdown. <laughs> um, so it's it's really difficult to try to predict what's going to happen here for them. Um, and I can imagine. The schedule being as tight as it is in the NHL this year, there is really no room for any COVID-related breaks due to the Olympics. So that might end up having an impact. I mean, the NHL can't bump games back an extra two weeks because everyone has to quarantine after coming back or players test positive or or, or whatever it may be. So um, I think it adds an extra wrinkle to it. Um, I, unfortunately, I really don't know how this is going to play out because uh, it's what it's August fifteenth, sixteenth, and we still don't have any confirmation of, of what's going to happen there. And again, we don't set the schedule or the rules. This pandemic does, and it's it's really ever changing. And I think we've certainly seen that over the last year and a half. So I'm going to be lame and say fifty fifty. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a bad. Bad guess, 50-50. It, it, it certainly isn't a slam dunk. Where it felt like it was a slam dunk a few months ago, doesn't feel that way now. And Katie Strang and Mike Russo uh, did, a, I thought, a really interesting piece on kind of looking at the COVID vaccine protocols. And basically, look, the, the NHLPA, the Players Association, is encouraging its players to get vaccinated, okay? Mm -hmm. And NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly did tell The Athletic, uh, Katie Strang and Mike Russo, that it's his his belief that 85% of NHL players are vaccinated. Okay, that, that's a pretty good number. You would think 85% is a pretty good number. Uh, the NFL, um, according to the reporting that was done in the Washington Post, they're at 90%. But if you think about the NFL, the first thing you think of is some outspoken players, Kirk Cousins, Cole Beasley, who are very reluctant to get the vaccine. And I would assume, Haley, you're going to get some NHL players who fall into the same boat. And now what the NHLPA is saying is if you don't get vaccinated, like be prepared that maybe if you can't travel to games, like come to Canada and play games, you're not going to get paid. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that's interesting. I also think, Haley, that 
I don't think the plan is to have taxi squads um, this mm-hmm. season. That I, I I don't know if that like that's my understanding is that they're 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 planning for this without taxi squads. Meaning we're going back to the way it used to be. So y- you better make sure that you're um, I guess vaccinated or um, this to me this is going to be a really interesting situation because at some point in the next four to six weeks, we're going to get the NHL's version of Kirk Cousins or Cole Beasley who says, I ain't getting vaccinated. And we're going to see if that player can come to Canada or if he lives in Canada or if he can play with his teammates. And there's going to be a little bit of a hot potato on the league's hands. Yeah, well, I think what the league has done is they've kind of put players' wallets into the decision now, right? By saying, if you are unvaccinated and you miss games, either because you can't travel or because you test positive for COVID-19, well, then you could potentially be losing money. So I think that's kind of the, it's putting your money where your mouth is, I guess, right? It's like, okay, you really don't want to get vaccinated. Well, then you need to come to the realization that you're going to have some money left on the table here because, um, I mean, right now, Canada, if the border did just uh, open on, I think it was this Monday or last Monday. It was the August 9th that the border opened to Americans, um, but you have to be fully vaccinated and you have to provide proof of a negative COVID test within 72 hours. Um, an unvaccinated player um, from the St. Louis Blues, I'm just I'm just throwing one name out there, um, Coyotes, whatever it may be, they're not coming in to Canada to play a hockey game two days later if they're unvaccinated because you need the 14-day quarantine, you need the negative COVID test. So, I mean, that's just the facts of what the regulations are. Um, So if you don't get vaccinated, you're going to be at home while your team goes on a road trip. And the league is now saying, well, you're not going to get paid for that (laughs) because you're at home because you cannot go into the country. And I know that, um, you know, Katie and, and Russo brought up that there was, you know, you know, could they get some kind of, um, I think it was a na- national interest um, exemption. And I don't think that was something that seems all that possible. Um, even even Canada, I think everyone going on commercial flights and trains and, and such need to be fully vaccinated now. So, I mean, when it comes to Americans playing in this country, it's going to be very strictly regulated for the start of the season, at least the way it is right now. So, um, if, if the players don't want to get the vaccine, like they're, they're just going to be leaving money on the table. Like there's no real way around it. I mean, and I, I don't think it's controversial to say that because it's just what the the rules are right now. <laughs> I, well, I think the way they could get around it again, the special exemption that major league baseball got for the blue Jays mm-hmm. to play games was essentially, if you're an unvaccinated major league baseball player or traveling party, you can come here. You cannot leave your hotel. Literally you are. Mm-hmm. Hotel, ballpark, back to hotel. That's it. That so, I guess there is a little bit of a workaround there. But this mm-hmm. situation, it's a lot different in in the NHL. We got seven Canadian teams, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to be absolutely unequivocally. It's going to become an issue, and we're going to see. Like I said, we're not. I don't believe that their plan is to have taxi squad players this year. So last year mm-hmm. they kind of built in a buffer that we're going to be able to have. Five guys that are kind of riding shotgun, waiting to be called in if someone tests positive. That's not going to be the case this year. So, if you test positive and you you know you don't meet some of these protocols, 
I think they're they're trying to put a little bit more pressure. Like, hey, man, you let your teammates down, or you let your mm-hmm. your guys down. So anyway, this, this is like I said, this is going to be something uh, to monitor. But I think everyone's got a little bit of not a little bit, a lot of bit of COVID, COVID fatigue. So why don't we Ugh, move on to yeah. Haley, <laughs> Joe Thornton to Florida. So mm-hmm. you and I have been on this train for a while. Florida mm-hmm. Panthers are a fun team. They're lovable. They're likable. Now they add Joe Thornton. Does this does this help our theory that the Florida Panthers, if you don't have a horse in the race, the Florida Panthers should be the team you're pulling for to win the Stanley Cup and have some success? I mean, it doesn't hurt it. Like having Jumbo Joe does not hurt the likability of your team. And I think it adds um, a nice storyline for the Florida Panthers. I mean, even the San Jose Sharks right now, the, um, the Sharks will be – in Florida, January 29th, and then the Panthers are in San Jose, March 15th. Um, and because of the divisional realignment, Joe Thornton did not get to play against the San Jose Sharks yet since he uh, played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So this will be the kind of Joe Thornton return game this season too. So I think that adds a nice little element to it that he'll get to play against the Sharks and then get to play against them in San Jose um, yeah, I don't think it hurts at all. I think it just makes them, it gives you another thing to cheer for, cheering for Joe Thornton, cheering for, you know, again, what we still think is a fun team in Florida. I mean, I like it. I think it's great. Um, you know, I, I saw our colleague Kevin Kurz tweeted, um, you know, hockey is a better place with Joe Thornton in it. Um, good player, fun dude. I mean, <laughs> I saw I saw a clip. Somebody asked, like, is your beard going to make it to Florida? Is it yeah. going to be okay in the heat? And he's like, I don't know. Might have to shave it. So we'll be on Joe Thornton beard watch also. Um, but no, I think I think it's super fun. I, I saw a lot of the, um, even last year with the, the Leafs, just following some of the stuff. I don't know what it is that just makes this guy so funny. I don't, maybe it's the beard. Maybe it's how large he is with the beard. I don't know, but. The video, the picture of him with Justin Bieber on Kendall Jenner's Instagram story yeah. just killed me. It was just like there's there's Joe Thornton with his huge beard with Kendall Jenner and Justin Bieber and like Haley Bieber and I think he's hanging out with you know supermodels and it's just okay. There's Joe Thornton hanging out over there and the what was he wearing when they when they were all rollerblading and he's wearing like the short shorts and the fanny pack. I don't know what it was, but I was like okay. Yeah, it was a fanny pack. This guy's pack. fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fanny pack. Are we going to see more fanny pack jumbo in Florida? It feels like it. 100%. He'll mix and right it's in. It's fun. Yeah. He'll blend right in. Heck yeah. And, uh, We're still on the bandwagon for sure. Okay. But the one thing we do need to point out, and every time we do this, with, uh, we talk about how likable and lovable Joe Thornton is. St. Louis Blues fans are yelling at their um, phones or you know laptops, wherever you're listening to us on this podcast. They hate Joe Thornton. Because it stems from that hit on Dave Perron years mm-hmm. ago that they felt like was one of the cheapest, dirtiest hits. So yep. anyway, Blues fans, we get it. We hear you. But uh, we, we still think that Joe Thornton's a pretty uh, pretty likable guy. All right, Haley. Uh, time to bring in our, our guest here on the Athletic Hockey Show. And I, you know what I love about this? As we had our guest in the, we'll call it the green room. You actually had to do a, like an actual introduction to a member of the Calgary Flames, and that just speaks to the pandemic world that we've lived in, Haley, uh, because you didn't really, I guess, Haley, you never really had a chance to to speak one-on-one or in person with Mark Giordano this entire season. 
right? No, we just had uh, everything on Zoom. And for the longest time, I didn't know if anyone could actually see me. You know, I didn't know what the players were looking at. And I think the the moment where I knew that they could indeed see me was my camera froze and it was, and it was with Mark and he goes, I think she's frozen. I was like, Oh no, (laughs) what did my camera freeze? Like what, what's it's, you know, when you pause a movie or your camera freezes and you have that horrific face. So that was the moment I knew that they could indeed see me on the other side. And that was my, I guess, informal introduction to, to our guest today. Well, there we go. Let's uh, let's bring him in. Uh, Mark Giordano, uh, nice enough to join us here on the Athletic Hockey Show, and hopefully uh, Haley's face doesn't freeze for you uh, during this uh, during this interview. Mark, thanks so much for taking the time with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And yeah, Haley, we could see you for sure every time uh, during the year you asked a question. Your your screen popped up as a big one right in the middle of the of the Zoom chat. So just to give you a heads up for next year, if they continue that, you'll you'll know that. <laughs> I don't think, I think my background's okay. So we're good. I don't know. I have a dog and he snores and he's always walking around. So I don't know if anyone got to meet Bono this year, but uh, maybe next time. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I I think from our perspective, it was really frustrating to be on Zoom calls and we felt like we couldn't connect with the athletes and the players, uh, the coaches that we were, you know, in the way that we're used to doing from your vantage point. I would imagine there were probably some advantages, like, you know, you didn't have to have us all over you, but all in all, how was the Zoom experience from uh, from a player's perspective after a whole season? Yeah, I think honestly, uh, from a, like you said, it, it it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. I mean, uh, sometimes you you miss that sort of you know the scrum, the human interaction for sure. I mean, and then there's other times where you don't miss it <laughs> for sure. The other way, I, I mean, but no, to get on the Zoom, I think. Uh, um, once we got used to it, it became pretty normal and it was, it was fine. I mean, it was, you know, doing interviews through zoom now is, is the new norm. And, uh, um, but I do, I do sort of think we should get back to a little bit of the old school scrum and and the human interaction. I think that's important too. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, I know, uh, Ian and I kind of like having that human interaction too, and telling the more, you know, human side of things that can sometimes be lost in a scrum or zoom setting. So, uh, we look forward to that coming back as well. Um, just moving on, I mean, Mark, it's been about three weeks since you were selected by the Seattle Kraken, and it's even been longer than that since, you know, the the pre-expansion draft stuff started. So what has this last month, two months been like for you? Yeah, I mean, it's been crazy, to be honest. I think uh, leading up um, leading up to the draft, I think it's it was out there, obviously, that there's a pretty good chance I wasn't going to get protected with um, – you know, us having three young defensemen, really good defensemen on longer term deals than I was. So um, it was always in the back of my mind. I think talking with Tree a lot, we were, you know, he was trying to get something done uh, as far as maybe trying to not protect me, but keep me in Calgary. And and at the end of the day, I got selected. So um, it was a pretty emotional couple of days thinking of all the different scenarios. A lot of different things run through your head, but I uh, got my got my head wrapped around that and, and just been looking forward to, you know, a whole different experience. I've never, never switched teams in my career. So um, it's going to be weird at first, I'm sure, but I'm looking forward to a whole, whole new chapter in my life and living in a different city, all the things that come with it. So um, I've turned, turned the page and I'm, I'm pretty excited now. 
How uh, how did you find out about uh, the actual? Were you like us? Were you found out via Frank Saravelli on Twitter, or <laughs> or did you? Really? Yeah, how, how did you find out uh, that Seattle ta- had taken you in the uh, expansion draft? Um, no, what happened was the night before I got a call from uh, uh, Tree, and he said he thinks they're going to select me. Um, and then I got a call from Ron Francis shortly after, and he said they were going to select me. So I knew the night before, and that's. Uh, how we arranged I got on a plane actually the next morning and went to the actual draft in Seattle, which was, I'm happy I did that to check out the city, check out the atmosphere there. It's great. I mean, the new building's going to be great. Um, there's a ton of positives. So really looking forward to, to settling in there and getting my family all settled now in the next couple of weeks here and then getting ready to go. I mean, just how hectic was that couple of hours between finding out to, I guess, finding a flight that worked, getting on the plane? I mean, did your family go with you? Just how crazy was that couple of days? Yeah, it was, it was nuts because um, the night I found out, uh, Ron asked if, uh, you know, a few of us could go down there to Seattle from Toronto. And there's me, uh, Brandon Tanev and uh, Alexiak were on the, on the plane together going down. But what we had to do, it was about, I would say 6 p.m. when I found out, 5 or 6 p.m., Toronto time and we had to get a corona test before you can cross the border. So I was running around downtown Toronto from Shoppers Drug Mart to Shoppers Drug Mart trying to get a corona test, uh, one of those rapid tests so that I could cross the border and then get all the flight info from the guys in Seattle. And they helped us out obviously a, a huge amount, but it was pretty hectic. And uh, the next uh, the next day we, we flew to Seattle and we were there uh, just before the draft and it was a uh, pretty Pretty crazy twenty four hours for sure. I, uh, I, I, you know, I watched that, that that whole draft spectacle, and and I saw the interview with you, and you had said you had never in your life had you been to Seattle before before this whole thing, yeah. which I was actually quite surprised by because look, it's a major city. Um, I mean, was it ever on your list of things that yeah, you know what? At some point, I'd like to get to Seattle, or was it just not on your radar to visit that city? Yeah, it was not on my radar. I mean, the I knew Seattle just because of uh, growing up. My one of my favorite bands was Nirvana, and they were from Seattle. Kurt Cobain and the band I think were from Seattle. So, you know what? Being from out east, it's it's uh, a far western city. I mean, when we think of going on vacation or going to different cities, I mean, I'd always think New York, Boston, cities like that, right? Cities that are closer and easier to get to. But um, definitely an eye opener for me to go to Seattle and, and a lot of people were like the same, had the same reaction you did. They were like, wow, I, I would have assumed you playing in Calgary all these years. You took a trip down to Seattle, but no, never, never, uh, never did. And um, what a city. I mean, what a great place. And, and I, I feel like it's going to be a great place to live. Just being there for a couple of days. It's, it was beautiful. And, and just, I mean, sticking with, um, you know, this whole month that you've, this crazy month that you've had, um, has the Kraken been kind of helping you and other players kind of acclimate to the situation? Because, I mean, expansion drafts aren't uh, a totally new thing, but there is no real playbook for being selected, having to, to mm-hmm. find a home, adjust to a new city. Um, have they been helping with that? Yeah, they've. I mean, they've been unbelievable as far as from every, every aspect. I mean, um, you know, we have people with the team who are helping us as far as real estate goes and purchasing our homes and renting our homes. Um, obviously getting our visas, uh, taken care of, uh, just every little thing you can think of, uh, traveling there, uh, shipping our cars, moving our, 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 you know, personal belongings. 
And then uh, they put together like a huge booklet that they sent out to every uh, family that just outlines uh, all the different things to do in the city, all the different areas that, uh, um, uh, you know, you can visit in the city, the different attractions where, you know, the best places to live. So, I mean, they've, they've done a, a great job in that. And I can imagine the amount of work that went into that because <laughs> they've covered literally everything. And then, you know, on top of that, um, the organization has a new rink going up and a new practice facility. So there's a lot, lot going on for sure in Seattle right now. As, uh, and you talked about, you know, now you got to find a new house. And it, so as you're looking for a new house, what's the one, like, is there one thing for you? Like a kitchen has to have a certain thing yeah. or a, a home theater. Like what's the one room that it's, it's got to be in a certain way for, for you. You got to have a great bed <laughs> and, uh, Obviously, during this, this season, you have to have, a, especially having kids, you have to have a great setup as far as uh, pregame naps and uh, having a nice TV in my room and having it real dark and all that stuff. Um, that's important. But other than that, it, you can adapt to anything. But for me, uh, being away from your family, I just look for, you know, safety, safety first and uh, um a nice area where, you know, fa it's family orientated and, uh, and go from there. But, uh, um, safety is number one for sure uh, with us being on the road so much and away from our families. Are you the type of player that needs like the semi soundproof basement for your nap when the kids are like running around and stuff upstairs? I'll put my, my, uh, I'll put my sound machine on from time to time to drain out, you know, a little white noise and, uh, I usually does it for me, but yeah, just I'm, I'm the type of guy, pregame nap, I like to turn on the TV a little bit and have it real dark and then uh, it usually makes me tired enough to fall asleep. <laughs> how uh, now? How old are your kids uh, right now? I have an eight-year-old son, Jack, and a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Reese. Okay, so uh, your eight-year-old's certainly old enough to kind of understand. So when you found out, when you got the call from Ron Francis, did you sit down with him and Explain it, or did you kind of plant some seeds that you know what dad might have to move with the the job and and how did how did that conversation go with the, with an eight year old? Yeah, I, I planted the seed a, a few weeks earlier, just threw a couple of hints out. I'm like, you know, we might not be going back to Calgary 100. Um, and he, yeah, he understood right from the, the start. He's old enough; he understands. Uh, I let, tried to let him know about the whole business of hockey and trades and all that, and. Uh, um, his main concern uh, uh, was that uh, how can he's like, but you're the captain of the Flames. Aren't you supposed to be there? But uh, I tried to explain to him how it works. And uh, he uh, he understands it's going to be a, a, a big change for him too. But, uh, you know, looking forward to it. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, for kids, it's good sometimes too to have a little bit of change in their lives and a little bit of adversity and, uh, uh Look, he, he's looking forward to going down there now too. So it's, it's pretty cool. Mark, what excites you the most about starting a new team and what we assume will be a leadership position for you, whether or not um, you are the first captain of the Seattle Kraken, um, but you are the, the oldest player on that roster and, and you certainly have the experience as a leader in Calgary. Um, what's the most exciting part for you coming into this situation? Yeah, I, I just think... Uh, like being a part of something, it's like being a part of history. It feels like, right? Like a, an organization just starting up, uh, you know, 
being one of the first guys to put on that jersey and play in that, that first game in that building. I mean, all those things come to mind. And then, like you said, I think, um, you know, being the oldest guy in the team, I think I, I have a lot to offer when it comes to helping out the younger guys. And, um, yeah, there's going to be, what, 25 of us or so, uh, all in the exact same position, guys who've uh, never been through this, never played on the same team. So it's going to be uh, uh, different, but it's going to be a, a cool experience, I'm sure. Did uh, did Vegas having so much success right off the hop, including getting to the cup final in their first year, does that excite you or does that set the bar too high? Because it's uh, it's it's ridiculous to think that a first-year team can get to the Stanley Cup final again, but... I mean, they've they've been successful right uh, right away. Does that at least give you some hope that maybe you guys don't have to go through what some expansion teams did, like in uh, in the '90s and the early 2000s? Yeah, of course. I, I just think, yeah, going going back to Vegas, I just think the way the way the rules are set up now, it's a different set of rules, obviously, with expansion. And I mean, you look even at our roster that we select, you just get some really good players from uh, across the league. Um, and I don't know exactly what the rules were in the 90s, but I'm sure they weren't uh, anywhere as close to uh, what they are now. And and um, Vegas, you know, when I remember I remember when Vegas selected their team, people were still unsure. But looking at them, we were all like, no, they got a they got a pretty good roster there and they selected a really good roster. And, um, you know, they've been a, a contending team ever since. So I like our team. I like I like. Uh, you know, what Ron and, and the staff obviously in Seattle has done. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, until you hit that ice, you're never going to know. So looking forward to, to hitting the ice in uh, September and then going from there. Have you um, reached out or, or spoken to anyone from Vegas for any kind of guidance on, you know, being on an expansion team? Has there been anyone that you know that you've talked to about this? Yeah, the only guy I, I uh, talked to about it was... Uh, because I play with Neeler in Calgary, James Neal, and he uh, he absolutely absolutely loved the experience. He said he had a great time in Vegas, and and uh, everything about uh, his experience there was was all positive. So talked to him a bit about it, and he uh, just wished me the best and said that I'm you know you're you're gonna love it. So um, everything's been positive on that end of things. And like I said, after the first couple of days of. Uh, shock and a little bit of mixed feelings you you uh I'm, I'm really excited and starting to look forward to it and you know mark you talk about yeah mixed feelings um it's hard not to think that uh, when you go back to calgary for the first time in december that uh, emotions might boil over and it's going to be hard and i think you've probably seen it you you probably watched when you know jerome mcginla comes back for that first game at the saddle dome and they put on the tv timeout and there's the video montage have you even started to think about what that night might be like for you back at the Saddle Dome for the first time? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be obviously uh, a weird feeling coming in and uh, coming in from the other bench and the other side and and in, in the dome for sure. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be a special night for me. But uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. just thinking of a lot of different things. I mean, we're in the same division. It's probably gonna be a pretty important game. Um, um yeah i don't know i don't know it's gonna be pretty cool to come back to the city and um you know i've made a lot of relationships a lot of a lot of uh, people that uh lifelong friends over the years in calgary so it'll be cool to play in front of them again and uh hopefully it's a good night for me 
And you've mentioned the relationships, but what are you going to miss the most about being in Calgary? And, I'm, and you spent so much time there your entire career. What are some of the, the things that come top of mind? Um, just the city in general, like just the going out and, you know, the people in the, seeing people in the restaurants that I know. And, uh, you know, obviously the number one thing is going to be the guys. I mean, uh, starting with like, obviously the players and, and some of my best friends that I've, uh, made over the years but then it you know i think of the staff too and, and the trainers and the equipment guys the medical guys that i've been been with for you know a lot a large chunk of my career so you know those are those are friendships that are going to last a lifelong a lifetime but uh, it's going to be it's going to be different not going to the rink every day and seeing those guys but i'm sure i'll create some uh some great bonds here in uh, seattle too you know, I, I got to ask you about a place in Calgary because Haley tweeted out about this, uh, and I've been to Calgary a few times, and I've hit Peter's Drive-In, you know, for the burgers <laughs> and the shakes. And I need to know: was Mark Giordano a big Peter's Drive-In guy? I wasn't a big Peter's Drive-In guy, but it is great. <laughs> um, I'm a big uh, restaurant uh, night before game Mercado or Villa Friends mm. guy. I'll say I'll mention those two, those two Italian spots, but. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I try to stay away from the burgers and the shakes as much as I can during the season to stay light, but uh, they are good. They are tasty, that's for sure. <laughs> I went for the first time uh, over the weekend and I was just too overwhelmed with all the flavors and all the options. So I sent out a tweet and asked for recommendations and it was just too much. And too many I don't options. Even, I don't even like milkshakes, but everyone just kept telling me like, you have to try this place and I went and I panicked. It was just I don't do well with that. So I'm gonna take your recommendations and, and try them out because I've not done anything since I moved here. So I'm always open to food recommendations. Yeah. It seems like a good food spot. I I'm a fan already. Um Ian, I think uh I think Ian's a big uh football guy and I think he has a very specific football I, question I for do, you. Mark. I do have a specific football question because now you're moving to an NFL city, right? Obviously in Calgary, you get the CFL, you get the Stampeders, but now we need to know, are you going to be, are you going to be pulling for the Seahawks or do you have a favorite NFL team already? Yeah, man, like my favorite NFL team is Green Bay and it is, has been for a long time since the Brett Favre days. So <laughs> I will still pull for Green Bay, but Seattle, uh, I'll definitely head out to some Seattle games and, and root for them when they're not playing Green Bay. But I hate to say it, but if it came down to it, I, I would think I would have to stick with my team. I mean, I've I've been a lifelong Packers fan and uh, um, big Rogers fan right now. Hopefully, they keep him around uh, after this season. But uh, must have been uh, a stressful summer for for you then. With it has that. been. I didn't think he was going to show up there for a little bit, but uh, it looks like they worked it all out, and hopefully, they have a good year again. I'm going to ask the question, are you going to go to the first Starbucks? Because that's like, I want to go to Seattle specifically for the Starbucks and people can make fun of me for that, but it seems really cool. 100%. I'm a big Starbucks guy. So I'm perfect. You know what? The two days that I was there, it was mentioned to me, but we just like, we literally had no time to to make it Mm -hmm. out. So, but 100%, I will check it out and uh, looking forward to it because I'm a big Starbucks fan for sure. So, so the two of you will appreciate this story because I have only had one cup of hot coffee in my entire life, and, wow. it, and it was at the original Starbucks on at Pike Place in Seattle. My parents live in Seattle. My parents live in West Seattle. So, the oh, wow. o- I've only had one cup of coffee in my life, 
a hot coffee, and it's from the original Starbucks. And I, and I feel like that's going to be it for me. No more hot coffees. That's really weird. I know. That's weird. It's a weird I don't thing. understand I non-coffee people. I know. You don't know what you're missing. You're... Your your energy levels will skyrocket if you have a couple more cups a day. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, Mark, we uh, appreciate this time. Final, I guess, final question for you: Is there a part of you that might actually appreciate the anonymity? I, I know what it's like for a lot. I've talked to a lot of guys over the years, especially when you're a captain of a Canadian team. You go down, you go out for dinner. I was going to say you go to Pete's Drive-In for a burger, but we know that's not the case. <laughs> but you go out and you're always recognized. Doesn't matter who you are, especially if you're the captain. Is there a part of you that's really going to embrace the fact that you could probably roll out for dinner, you could probably go to the movies, you could do all sorts of things with your family, and people aren't going to be tugging at you looking for a picture or an autograph? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know what, I, yeah, I, I will say uh, that that's going to be uh, a little bit different, obviously, playing in uh, in Seattle. but. Man, when we went down there, the fans were – it was pretty pretty wild when uh, we had that draft. So um, we know the support's going to be there. But, yeah, it'll be nice just to get out of the, you know, the light a bit and uh, lay low and, and just, you know, play hockey. But I will say in Calgary, the people were great. Like, obviously, a lot of people recognize in restaurants and stuff, but very respectful and, uh, you know, ca- you know, let you do your thing with your family all the time. So it, – it wasn't uh, anything that was a burden by any means, but yeah, I'm looking forward to just going down there and like you said, play hockey, um, have some success hopefully and go from there. Well, Mark, we, uh, we really appreciate the time. I know Haley's looking forward to, I know it's going to be a big story when you do make your return to, to Calgary. So um, listen, thanks for taking the time. Best of luck with the move and, and with the family uh, here in the weeks ahead. And we look forward to connecting with you again down the road. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Haley, that was a real fun conversation with Mark Giordano. And uh, yeah, I I didn't know. I figured, look, if you're an athlete, you're probably not going to go to Pete's uh, drive-in there in Calgary all the time. (laughs) But I know that you, like I said, like I brought up in that interview there with him, that I know that you went there and it's like, it's like one of those landmark spots. Like if you're ever going to Calgary for a Flames game and you got a couple days, you got to drop by and have the milkshake at this place. Mm -hmm. I've done it. It's a great place. And it's good to know that, you know, Mark Giordano's leaving Calgary. And it's hard to do this. It's hard to leave on good terms, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially if you've played in a Canadian market for a long time, it's really hard to have like this amicable um, breakup. But it sure mm-hmm. felt like listening to Mark Giordano there and, and listening to Flames fans. Like, everyone's pulling for the guy. No one blames him. It's one of the rare, um, you know, breakups that, that, that feels like uh, everyone is leaving without any, you know, bitterness. Yeah, I think so. And and I think he touched on it a little bit, but leading into, I mean, the month, I mean, even right at the end of the season um, in exit meetings, Giordano was asked about the potential of being selected by the Kraken. And I think for a long time, he knew that it was a possibility and, and general manager Brad Tree Living was really um, open with those discussions with him. And, and I think, you know, Gio is 37. He's going to be 38 this year. He gets it. <laughs> It is a business, and um, with that comes difficult decisions, even when it comes to the long-term future um, or the future, excuse me, of your long-term captain of of the franchise. And I think that's just the reality of the situation. Um, He touched on it again. Like they had three younger, more locked-in defenders. So are you going to expose a 24-year-old Rasmus Anderson to protect a 37-year-old Mark Giordano with one year left on his contract? 
Probably not. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a good problem to have if you're the Calgary Flames, having too many good defensemen that you want to protect. Obviously, it's not great that you lose Geo. Um, and that, but I know that a lot of fans I think a lot of fans agreed that they needed to expose him and let the chips fall where they may because nobody wanted to pay that protection price, the first and the third. And I think leading up to the draft, a lot of fans were on that boat. And then when they saw him in the Kraken jersey is when it, like, really hit them, like, oh, man, like, he is gone. <laughs> he, oh, God, he's wearing a different jersey. We know it's a business. We know this was right, but it hurts like hell. A lot of fans were really upset to see that. and. You know, I would love to see, I think most people would love to see um, a bit of a Daniel Alfredson type end. I mean, it's a completely different situation, obviously, but, you know, maybe he'll come back. Gio will sign another deal at the retire as a, as a flame after his one or however many years in Seattle, kind of like Alfredson came back from Detroit back to Ottawa. Maybe that's the nice little end to Gio's career, but um, it was a great interview. I'm glad that he and I both judged you for your weird coffee take. Wasn't weird. I don't understand non-coffee people. And and I and I knew you didn't like coffee, but I guess I just blocked it out of my memory cuz whenever we go for coffee, you get hot chocolate. I know. I know. I You like I, hot chocolate but not hot coffee. No, I don't even drink like an- hot chocolate. I I would rather have <laughs> Why like, do we go for coffee? I, because that's it's going for coffee is just like a thing you say like, "Hey, let's grab a coffee." It doesn't actually mean you have to have a coffee. <laughs> It, you know, it could be just let's go for drinks. Okay. That's what it means. All right. Hey, listen, let us wrap up this show. This has been a really fun show here on this Monday uh, with a little multiple choice madness as always. So we got four questions uh, on this Monday. Let's start with this one, Haley, because we talked about this off the top of the podcast that you are uh, kicking off and you're going to be kind of uh, leading our coverage with the athletic, uh, the women's world hockey championships. And I think for a lot of people, they look at this and they're like, oh yeah, it's going to be, why do they bother playing? It's going to be Canada and the USA, but we do know that there are a couple of other countries that have certainly moved up the rankings here and they could potentially spoil a USA-Canada gold medal showdown. So, Haley, if you're picking one country that could get in there and ruin a Canada-USA gold medal showdown at the IIHF Women's Worlds, who would it be? A, Finland, B, Russia, C, Switzerland, or D, somebody else? Who's going who's gonna to potentially get in there and disrupt the Canada-USA gold medal showdown? Finland, for sure. I think they already did that in the last uh, Women's World Championships in 2019. They they beat Canada in the semifinals, and I think there's a lot of people uh, in the women's game who still believe that they should have won gold that year. They um, It was a, quite a controversial uh, call that ended swinging the tournament in the U.S.'s favor, but I think there's a lot of people who still think that Finland um, would – would or should have been the winners of that 2019 final. So I'm going to stick with them. And it's um, I know Team Canada is really excited. Their first game back after two years, like we said, and after the heartbreak against Finland, it's their worst ever Women's World Championship final, by the way. Canada has only ever finished first or second, except for in 2019 at the hands of the Finns. So um, their first game back after an over two-year hiatus is against Finland, on Friday. So that's going to be really big, not just because it's the first game, but it's kind of a revenge game against uh, the team that handed them a loss in the semifinals. So I'm going to stick with uh, Finland keeping it interesting this year. Yeah. You know, I'll agree with you too. And I, look, 
2019, Canada didn't have Mary Philippe Poulin. They didn't, right? So, but I think it was one of the best things for the game was somebody other than Canada and the U.S. was in the final. Like, we've been mm-hmm. saying this. And the Finns, they got great goaltending, right? And that's all you need in these one-game kind of elimination once you get to the quarters and the semis. So yeah. I'm with you. And I, I don't think it would be a bad thing. I think, obviously, you want, because it's being played in Canada, you want to see <laughs> Canada get there. Uh, but again, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, this is how I think we grow the game as we get... Uh, more countries pushing uh, the United States and Canada. Okay, on to question number two, Haley. If we did a redraft, and we always talk about this, like everyone debates like the most recent draft, but we we don't do enough of, hey, let's go back three years and actually redraft. So random question here. If you redrafted the 2018 NHL draft from three years ago, who's your first overall pick? Is it A, Rasmus Dahlin, B, Andrei Svechnikov, C, Brady Kachuk, D, Quinn Hughes, or E, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. I I will go first on this one. Give me the defenseman. Give me Quinn Hughes. And I know that that might not be popular because people say, like, that guy can't play in his own end. I don't care. I'm a firm believer in, at some point, you can... You can teach defense, and you can teach a little bit of that. You can't teach what Quinn Hughes brings to the table offensively. The mobility, Mm. the vision, the passing, all that stuff. So... If I were to look at this group of players, I think him and Svechnikov are the most talented. But because Svechnikov doesn't play the center ice position, I kind of maybe that's why I'm doing this. I'm drafting by need. Give me a defenseman. Mm-hmm. I love impact defenseman. I think Quinn Hughes is going to grow into a better defender two or three years from now. I love what he brings to the table. Haley, I would take Quinn Hughes first overall. What about you? I'm going Brady Kachuk. Um, I feel like people might. Uh, either love that or hate that. There really is no in-between when it comes to the Kachuk brothers. But, um, you know, when I was on the Sens beat, I reported out a story about, you know, do the fl- do the Sens already have, you know, a cornerstone piece that they can build around? And every coach, everyone who's coached Brady, who who's played with Brady, they all said, if you – want to build your team around somebody. You know, he might not end up being, he's not going to be the Connor McDavid. He's not going to score that many points. He's not going to have that same finesse. Um, But if you want a cornerstone player that you can build around, um, you have one in Brady. Um, Because of the way that he plays, he's going to be one of the, I mean, he already is one of the top power forwards in the game right now. He has the leadership. He has the marketability as the personality. And I know you don't draft for personality, Um, but I think there was a lot of people, um, in that draft year who said, you know, you can take a Brady Kachuk at first overall and you're going to be happy with it. Um, so I think a little bit of bias because I did report that out previously, but you know, I'm going to stick with, with what I said in that story and I'm, and I'm sticking with Brady. Okay. On on to question number three. And I, I said, I would take Quinn Hughes, uh, first overall. And of course he needs a new contract, but so too does his Vancouver Canucks teammate, Elias Pettersson. And, uh, Pettersson made some some waves last week. Uh, in, a, in an interview with a Swedish publication, uh, Elias Pettersson quoted as saying, uh, quote, I want to stay in Vancouver now, but I also want to play for a team that's winning and has a chance to go far in the playoffs every year. I feel like we've got a chance to do that next year. If we have that chance when my next deal expires, I don't know. I just want to play where there's a chance of winning. Haley, Canucks fans, should they be freaking out over Elias Pettersson's comments in Multiple Choice Madness, I ask you, um, your options are simply this. A, yes, it sure felt like when you read that quote, he's looking for a change of scenery down the road. Or B, 
settle down. This is much ado about nothing. Um, I know it's just a yes or no question, but I think when you initially read it, I'm sure it was very jarring for Canucks fans who have been through a lot, <laughs> especially this last year. Um, you know, everything that happened in Vancouver, I think that we can give Canucks fans a pass for reading something like that and being like, oh my gosh, what? Um, but, you know, I did um, see that Thomas Drance posted something like, you know, if his frank and honest commentary was surprising to you, like you haven't been reading that many Elias Pettersson quotes or reading, uh, you know, watching many of his interviews because he's just like that. So I think initially you think, yeah, oh, that's tough. Like he wants to win somewhere else. Um, but, you know, if if this is indeed the way that Pedersen is, um, and it just shows somebody with a with a high compete level, he wants to win. I think that's a good thing. And I think um, Canucks fans should look at that and say, okay, he's going to win here. Um, don't freak out. But I totally understand why some fans would. You know what? I, I, I think – I, I agree with you. Like you said, it's a yes or no question. It's tough. I think the word that really was jarring to Canucks fans was now. When he said, mm-hmm. I want to stay in Vancouver now. And yeah. people are like, okay, you want to stay now, but what does that mean for down the road? And is there a better pastime for, for, for hockey fans than trying to parse through some article that was written by uh, you know somebody in Russia or Sweden or Finland and it lands and people are like, oh my gosh, what does he mean? Like, this is one of the things we do as hockey fans. We yeah. we oh, analyze yeah. <clears throat> translated articles in the summertime. But listen, Canucks fans, I say relax. I don't like, I know there's some fear that Elias Pettersson was going to be the offer of a, uh, a target of an offer sheet. I think that window is passed. No? Like, do, don't you feel like if somebody was going to submit an offer sheet to Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes or Brady Kachuk or whoever the RFA you want to mention, don't you think that would have kind of been done by now? Um, I, I mean, it's a good question, but I think that there's just so much that still hasn't happened this off season. Like there's so many unsigned RFAs. There's, we've been waiting for the Jack Eichel news to come for months now. So I wonder if a lot of teams are still just kind of in a holding pattern. I mean, a lot of teams are probably just on vacation right now. Um, so I feel like things like that could probably pick back up as we get even closer to the season starting. Um, season doesn't start till October 14th, 15th, 16th. One of those days is season opener, training camp, end of September. So, I mean, it's the dog days. So I think if there's an offer sheet, it would have been, yeah, like a little bit, a little while ago or like three weeks from now, but probably not in this dead time where everyone's just gone except for us <laughs> yeah except for us all right final question in multiple choice madness here on this monday on the weekend haley tampa bay lightning forward matthew joseph uh his uh video went viral of him back home with the stanley cup eating poutine out of it and for our uh, you know listeners maybe south of the border in the united states who aren't quite familiar with poutine it is essentially a delicacy in which French fries are drenched in uh, gravy and cheese curds. And let me tell you, Matthew Joseph, he drenched his fries in gravy inside the Stanley Cup. So I'm asking you, if you had the choice to either drink something out of the Stanley Cup or eat something out of the Stanley Cup, what are you doing? Haley, eat something or drink something? You know what I think? I think I'm going to eat something out of the cup. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it would be awkward. I feel like I'm spilling 20, 30%. Everywhere. Uh, Yeah. 
you everywhere. Know, the fresca is going all over the place with me. So, and you know, I'm not going to have hot coffee out of the cup too. So, um, you know what? I think I would eat something. I might go and you're going to laugh because you're just, I'm waiting for this. It's a Monday and I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to unleash your cynical side when I tell you, Haley. Are you having cereal? I'm having cinnamon toast crunch. Oh, I, I knew you'd I, be a cereal guy. <laughs> God, you're such a loser. You eat cereal. So yes, How old I would are go. You, man? I would go with cinnamon toast crunch right out of it, and then I would drink the cinnamony milk. You know that residual milk. You have such an upset stomach. That's a huge bowl. Oh, that, that's what I'm doing. I get the best of both worlds because I get to eat, and then I. The best part of cinnamon toast crunch is the residual milk, and I will hear no other arguments on that. So I feel like the best of both worlds. What about you? What are you eating or drinking out of the cup? Well, I'm eating for sure um, because, yeah, like I've seen the videos of people drinking out of the cup and it's hmm. just like, it's goodbye to your shirt. Oh, a cute outfit. Bye. It's gone. It's drenched. There's a stain. It's just messy unless you use a straw, but that kind of takes the, oh. like a, just like a little straw, but that's, then you're, that's not the same. Um, so I would definitely eat out of the Stanley Cup. I will say after seeing the gigantic poutine last night, um, I haven't stopped wanting a poutine. So if anyone listening to this has a poutine recommendation in the city of Calgary, please <laughs> send me a note. Because We should have asked Gio in that interview. He, no. he could have, on his way out, he would have given you a great he, recommendation. He probably doesn't eat poutine. Yeah. Actually, based on what he said, no. Yeah. No. Um, but I don't know what I would eat. Pasta? Uh, no, that would, that's too many carbs, Ian. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm celiac. I'm gluten intolerant. So I'm an oh, Italian oh, sorry, who can't sorry, eat pasta. Sorry, Nate McKinnon. Chickpea, I meant to yeah. say chickpea yeah, me pasta. Me and Nathan McKinnon will be eating chickpea pasta out of the yeah. Stanley Cup market. Just kidding. That's weird. I wouldn't be there. I would, I don't even know how I'd acquire the Stanley Cup to eat pasta out of it. Uh, but it'll happen one day. Chickpea okay, but what are you eating? You haven't, you haven't said what you're eating. I don't know. I this. <laughs> you can't mock me for eating cereal, and then when it's your turn at the plate, you literally have no answer. You can't put a food decision on me like this. You don't know how long it takes me to decide what I want to eat every day. <laughs> oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you want to eat? Oh, I don't know. Oh, what about this? No. <laughs> and then do you get food envy at the table when somebody else orders something? No, usually it takes me a while, but usually I make the right decisions. I don't know. I don't what know what I would soup? eat. Out of the- would you eat a soup out of the Stanley Cup? Like N- a unless chowder. Unless you have a really big, no, a chowder? No. <laughs> you would need a really big spoon. Like a ladle. Yeah. Pretty this is tough. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know what other people okay. would I gotta, eat out I of the Stanley Cup. For you. Let us know. Would you, eat, would you eat pad thai out of the Stanley Cup? Oh yeah, we're getting closer. There we go. Maybe that's it. A little pad like thai, like the 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 chicken pad thai from Pie in Toronto. Think- Put it in the Stanley Cup. There we go. <laughs> Settled. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> just cut it. Yeah, just I got to stop because yeah, I keep trying to think it. about it. This podcast is going to be the longest one we've ever recorded, it, and it's just you know, me yeah. mulling over food decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Not good content. I apologize. See, but I told you, I, t- I promised by the end of the show you had a case of the Mondays, and now I see a big yeah. smile on your face, 
Thinking about Pad Thai. Thinking mm-hmm. about Pad Thai. Listen, we'll leave it there. I want to thank everybody for listening to this uh, latest edition of uh, the Athletic Hockey Show. Listen, Haley, we, we're looking forward to all your coverage coming up. I know it's a really busy time for you on uh, on the print side of things as the Women's World Hockey Championships come right into your backyard in Calgary. So listen, we're really looking forward to uh, to all your coverage here on the site in, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, we do some live blogs and stuff, and I've already sprinkled the idea that we have the Canadians from the athletic hockey show versus the Americans from the athletic hockey show, um, maybe battling it out a little bit. So uh, we'll see if we can get something interesting going against my bitter rival, Sean John Tilly. I like Craig. Craig's fine. We, We won't battle with Craig. Yeah, he's kind of our boss, too, so we can't really battle him too much. I can battle Myrtle, but I won't battle (laughs) Craig. (laughs) Awesome stuff. Listen, like I said, looking forward to your coverage. And uh, again, thanks, everybody, for listening to this uh, Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating and a review. You know, we certainly appreciate that. Also want to plug the fact we talked a little bit about the Vancouver Canucks there in Multiple Choice Madness, talking to little Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Uh, Canucks legend Henrik Sedin. Senior advisor to uh, GM Jim Benning is going to join Thomas Drance on a new VanCast this week. So check it out. Hank joining uh, Thomas Drance on the VanCast this week. And want to remind you on the print side of things, annual subscriptions to The Athletic, they're available to you for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.